Hi, this is Jay Stewart, and you're listening to Australian Survivor Archives. Australian Survivor Archives, the only podcast going over the complete history of Australian Survivor from Whaler's Way right through to the present day. We have a very exciting episode for you today, another interview, but just like we did during the first season of Australian Survivor, we thought we would track down the person behind the music of the season that we are covering. Of course, we had a great chat last season to Jack Robin, the composer behind the first season's theme, and we have managed to now track down the composer of the second season's theme, a a theme that Matt and I have constantly talked up a lot throughout this season and are very, very excited to hear just how it came about and all the ins and outs that this theme had when it was produced. My name is Ben Waterworth and I'm going to hand it over to my esteemed colleague to introduce our esteemed guest on the show today. Hi Ben, hi listeners, uh, it's Matt Dyson here as always and uh, you're right Ben, uh, last last season of course we did interview Jack Robin and it was such a fascinating interview because we love the theme music from these early Survivor seasons, it's, it's just something special about them and today is no different because we're going to learn all about the season two theme song and all the other music in the, in the season. Of course, today we're here with the one and only Mr. Jay Stewart. Jay, thank you for coming on the show. Hi, guys. How are you? We're great. We are absolutely great, mate. How about yourself? Because I, I can imagine this is something that if you're ever going to get interviewed about, you might not think that somebody wants to interview me about that season of Survivor that I randomly did about 15 years ago. I'm sure this yeah, has probably I'm never happened before. Surprise. Yeah, yeah, which which must make it interesting given your unique body of work that you have done, and we're going to go over some of what you have done over the years, that there are some of these shows that I guess would stand out to, to certain fan communities. Now, do you kind of find that every now and then you will get a, a group of fans or somebody who wants to talk to you about one of these shows that maybe you've even forgotten you've even done? Yeah, actually, it's and it's normally the ones you least expect, although Survivor being such a brand such a massive worldwide hit this is not so surprising but a show i did called the mole i don't know whether any of you might have seen that but i often get people asking me for ringtones of the theme or you know can i send them some of the music from it because it was such a unique and unusual show there's some fans of that show well we spoke to david mason at the beginning of this season and he of course behind the mole and we spoke to him in that 
interview about watching the mole i I basically got into survivor because i loved the mole and that kind of transitioned me into watching us survivor and it kind of picked up from there so i i I remember it vividly the mole and of course the first season filmed in my home state of tasmania so there's lots of connections there jay that are, are fond memories of the mole yeah good which it must then kind of getting that connection when you get the the potential to do a season of Survivor. I'd love to learn how that opportunity came about. How do you end up getting the gig of doing Survivor, Celebrity Survivor, of course, when ultimately it ends up on Channel 7? Yeah, well, um, David Mason, who you just mentioned, was one of my best clients at the time. I first met him doing an Australian show called Who Dares Wins. And... Um, he went on from there and he had another partnership. They split and he went to work for Channel 7 and he, he took over there and um, got the opportunity to produce the mole and he asked me to write the music for it. Um, and at that stage, I knew nothing of the show. In fact, I don't think the world did. Uh, it was originated in Belgium um, and the very first season uh, worldwide was a Belgian version and David really took that concept and turned it into the mole that we saw in Australia, which is very, very different. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a lot more um, survivorish, if you like, um, than the Belgian version, which was a little more, you know, low key. So yeah, that was a great series to work in, work on. Back in the day, we were using um, VHS tapes and stuff, and um, the internet was in its fledgling years. <laughs> and we, I actually had, um, cabs arriving at my home at 3am in the morning, delivering me the latest um, episode so that I could sit there through the night writing the music. So yeah, that was old school. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's one thing, I guess, I mean, I don't understand what goes on with uh, being a composer and doing all the music. So you write the music after you see the episodes. Is that basically how you, or do you have a general, general idea of what type of music you're going to be sort of composing? Uh, well, they're really two different questions, but the first one's really interesting because when I first started composing music, yes, we got the opportunity to write to the pitches. So they would um, cut the episode, they would get it to a stage which was called a final lock-off where no one was going to change a second here or a second there or edit something in and out, and then I'd be the last chain in the link and they'd send it to me. I would already have some ideas in mind. David, for instance, or any director or producer would tell me the style of music. We would have established that at the beginning. And, but once I got the show, I had uh, the palette, if you like, and then I could write to the pictures, try to highlight the, I mean, the exciting points or anything that needed to be highlighted. And, um, but these days it's very different. So I, I um, work on the show called The Block here in Australia. Um, and previously My Kitchen Rules. And those shows are completely different. Uh, I supply them with a suite of tracks and they decide where the music should go. So in the 15 years that I've been doing it, it's completely changed around. Do you have a, a preference of, of which of those methods you like as a composer? Because I could maybe imagine when you're watching an episode that's sent to you and you can write as you go along, that might make it more of a, 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 a raw, a live sound rather than just pre-composed music, which then they have to find a way to fit into a certain scene? Ultimately, the preference is always to write to vision because that's how composers really get inspired to come up with different things. They get they help the narrative of the story. But 
It depends on the program, if I can be very honest with you. A show like Survivor was fantastic. Our one was filmed in Vanuatu. The scenery is incredible. The stunts were amazing. So that was a joy to write music to the pictures. Another show I worked on was um, The Force here in Australia, which was a, a factual show of police running around the countryside, busting hardened criminals and etc. That was also very exciting. A show like My Kitchen Rules where you're watching people in a kitchen <laughs> cooking for five hours. <laughs> I'm more than happy for them to put the music on the program. <laughs> so when, when you get the call up to do Celebrity Survivor, yeah. I mean, obviously that's, I'm, I'm assuming you, you, you're excited to do it. Yeah. Uh, you said you weren't like a, you weren't a Survivor fan or, or not much knowledge of the show. Did you straight away go back and, and listen to the American version say what? Because ancient voices, like it's such an iconic theme for Survivor, but yeah. what, what, what happened? Like, did you go and listen to it? And of course you can't copy that. So what were your thoughts going into composing the, the celebrity season? Look, that's, that's really interesting. I'll never forget this situation because we in Australia don't have the budgets that they do in America. And uh, when I first got the opportunity to do this, the first thing that scared me was my budgets. I did a bit of research on the American composer and realised that he actually travelled to the very countries where they were filmed, ran around with a microphone and recorded native singing, you know, and all of a sudden... Uh, I've been asked to do the music for this show from my from my home studio with no money, and that scene, that American theme, is epic. It's absolutely huge. It like really is. So we have, and there was one other complication if I can share with you, and I, you would know the story behind this more than I would because it's my memory's failing me. But the celebrity of uh, Survivor format, the one that we had the rights to, came out of England. And Simon Cowell might have owned it. I can't remember. Whereas the American version, which is a survivor that we all know in Australia, was owned by another, another arm of the company. So when we were given the, the rights here in Australia to make Celebrity Survivor, we got the British uh, rights to use their, their, um, their music, their format, the way that they were doing the show. So I don't know whether this makes sense to you guys, but anyway, Channel 7 got a whole lot of music from British Survivor, which they were permitted to use on the show should they choose to. It was so unrecognisable to, this, to, the, to the American version, which is the version we all grew up on, so that David turned around to me and Channel 7 said, look, okay, well, we're making, we bought this version, but we want it to sound like that version and we're not going to pay you much to do it. So, uh, yeah, so I'm losing my train of thought, but if I can continue, I remember we, I dragged my friends in the studio where I made them sing like natives, I made them scream. I sampled it backwards. We banged sticks together. We did everything we could to try to create the sound of Vanuatu, you know. Um, and it was a challenge. It was a challenge to create a soundscape that was somewhere close to the American version. So when you're when you're doing this, and you said you're bringing your mates in, you're coming up with these chants. Like time wise, like are you under the pump? We 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 heard that. This all happened very quickly. When Channel 7 decided to, to run this celebrity season, it was on such a tight you know, time schedule. How, like, how long would you normally take to, to compose a theme like this and how long did you have for this one? The theme wasn't so bad um, because they were aware that they were going to make the show and they were aware they wanted a, sh a grand big theme with native chanting and things. So I probably had maybe, you know, a month to think about the theme. And in the process of writing a theme for any TV show, 
It's generally the piece of music that the television networks um, are most all over. So you would submit multiple versions of a theme and multiple demos before that they would approve where it was going to. In, but in, to, in reference to David's comments, we actually made the show a very, very quick turnaround. You know, and that's, uh, that's where I, I referenced the cabs arriving at my, my home. I remember that episode one, um, I was still writing the music uh, the night before uh, it went to air. Wow. So the cab would arrive, and there were several cabs that arrived through the night with very, as they finished editing a segment, they'd put it in a cab, send it to my house. I would sit there writing the music for it. And then at 6 a.m. in the morning, where after three loads of cabs and the whole show was complete, I'd set, rush it back to Channel 7 and they'd throw it on the show and put it to air that night. Wow. So the, the making of the show was very, very tight, yeah. That's crazy to think that yeah. that's kind of happening all in that process and everything yeah. along those lines. I mean, how, how many versions of the theme did you actually do before they kind of signed off on, on the final version that we heard on the, the season? I can't remember for sure, but I, I, I think it was about two or three different versions. But this is very typical, you know. Um, we would have written a few ideas and, and generally how we deal with this is I send them three or four different ideas at the same time. And then they go, well, this one is close to what we want and we like that from this one and can you put them all together? And that's pretty much how this thing came apart. Do you, um, do you, do you try to keep the versions similar uh, or are they completely different? There's a, we try to make them a little bit different. Yeah, uh, but they all had the same ingredients. They had the native chanting. They had the orchestral um, big big sound at the beginning. They all built, they all started with a, a conch horn blow. Now, these were significant things that Channel 7 wanted to retrain, re- retain from the American style of theme. Um, but just between you guys and all your listeners, when, if they ever hear this theme, I have no idea what the chanting means. <laughs> I think it's just all garbled nothing. Well, well, there's that question gone. All right, let's cross that well, one out. Well, 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 I was going to say, Jay, we we now know that they that the, the chanting wasn't the the people from Vanuatu. They were just a couple of mates in in yeah. in, in your garage chanting yeah. whatever they wanted. Probably had a few beers under their belt. In fact, a funny story. Um, I also, you know, a lot of the sound effects because the way the show was. I might be jumping ahead here, but. The, back, the background of the show, particularly when you see them just in the campsite and it's not active, there was music all the way through that. And it would be very, very low key, but there'd be native sounds, you know, wood blocks clicking and natives wailing in the, back, in the background. And if there was a shot of the moon, you'd have a female native sound. And it was very emblematic of that, sh- that type of show. So I supplied those to Channel 7 so they could add some of those on later. And I, f- I didn't change the names to anything really sexy, so... The, the male chanter's name was Bryden. And they used to laugh at Bryden. That doesn't sound like, like a native. <laughs> I should have changed it to, I don't know, some nat- native Vanuatu name, but I didn't. So did, did, did you have an actual name? Like we know um, the Americans had, they called it a- Ancient Voices. Did you actually have a name for the theme song? No, no. It was never released uh, outside of the TV show, so we didn't name it. Yeah, it was did- just a Australian Celebrity Survivor theme. Yeah. Did you Whatever ever? Year. What year was it? In your 2006. Mind? It wow. Was. Yeah, yeah. Did you um, or were you aware of the Channel Nine version? And if you were aware, had you heard the the theme that they had done from that version at all? The most recent series. 
the one that the the other Australian version that it aired just uh, the wow. only other Australian one that it aired before the yeah season. I I was aware of it I didn't pay much attention to it only because you don't want to get too influenced by you know you asked a question before that I forgot to answer and that was you know how can you make it sound not the same you know and that's a challenge for us pro, uh, uh, composers all the time because clients want something that evokes the sound of a previous theme. But they, it can't sound the same. You're, you're, you know, that's copyright infringement. So that's one of the big challenges. So when, so the least amount of uh, external influences I had before I wrote the theme, the better for me. Which it's interesting to hear that because the reason I sort of bring up the the Channel Nine version is a lot of criticisms from fans. A lot of people weren't happy when they did an Australian version that they didn't have ancient voices. They didn't have the Russ Landau and David Vanacourt themes. And a lot of people were very critical that the Whaler's Way song didn't sound anything like the US Survivor one. Whereas your theme, I mean, straight away from the, the chant at the beginning before it gets into the, like it, it automatically, you are connected to ancient voices. It's got that very similar sound. And as you said, without obviously trying to completely rip off that, is it a case of without being overly influenced, as you said, you don't want to simply copy another person's theme, but you can understand what they're going for. Do you kind of just have like a listen and go, okay, cool. I've got the the gist of what I need to do and basically go from there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's a good assessment. I mean, we just took the, the, the elements of ancient voices, which was the, which was the chanting. You know, it was very, very, very strong. The, the, the pace of it, the big orchestral background that builds towards the end, they were clear for us, we can't do without those. So we had to start with those elements and write something that was essentially different. But if you're using those elements, we were, we were always hoping that the fans would be connected. One thing that Jack Robin said, which stood out to me, is the daunting fact for him about writing a theme for a show like Survivor, which even at that early point when he wrote it was a very iconic show and an iconic theme for yourself. Six years into the US journey at that point, a lot longer than Jack had, Jack sort of compared it to if all of a sudden they did an Australian version of The Simpsons and you had to completely rewrite the iconic theme for The yeah. Simpsons, a very daunting task for a very well-known song. As a composer, do you think about things like that or is it a case of you have to black that out in your mind and just get to the job at hand essentially? No, you always, especially with that show, especially that theme, it's such a great theme. And you're always aware that you're, you know, you're going to do something that's always going to be for the fans of the show and always going to be a little, um, never quite, quite come up to the mark. You have to expect that, you know. You're always going to be writing something that they, rec- they, rec- they recognise the previous version. And that's just, that just goes along with anything we do. But unfortunately... It's more of a contractual thing, otherwise, otherwise they, and maybe some of the producers you've spoken to might have cleared this up, but they would use the theme if they could. They're just contractually not allowed to. Were you ever, your theme does, it's brilliant. We absolutely love your theme. We, we, we talk it up all the time. It does obviously sound very Pacific Island sort of, yeah, it's got that tone, obviously, with the chanting and all that. Was there ever any concern that if they did a second season, like, would you have to change up the theme? Was there ever any talk about, well, this this might be this show might become really popular with the celebrity version that we'll have to do it in different locations, meaning the theme would have to sound different? Um, no, we never discussed that. Um, I think we're just so against time to get this show done. 
Um, and generally in Australia, you never know whether you're going to go a second season or not. But I was, I was, we were always assuming in the back of our minds that it would be filmed in Fiji or Vanuatu or somewhere close, and hopefully that theme would work in those locations. When you talk about sort of getting some mates and Braden and all that kind of stuff to come in and, and do the chanting, do you have to know some mates who are good at chanting or is it literally just a couple of guys? Hey, how, how do you sound when you make the hell sound? Like, I mean, kind of how do you go through the process of working out which of your mates can do these chants? Well, I use professional singers. Right. So okay, they, good they, to they, know. <laughs> they, uh, they, they were comfortable in that environment and uh, we just made them grunt and groan until we liked what they came up with. But I'm not necessarily talking about the theme now. That was more of a structured idea about how the chant would go. It has a sort of a rhythm to it and a repetitive nature. So with the theme, we had a really clear idea of how we wanted that to go. But there's a lot of chanting that goes on throughout the show itself. And um, we let them just channel their inner native. (laughs) (laughs) One thing that fascinated me when we interviewed Jack Robin was when we talked to talked to him about what instruments were used in the in the theme, and uh, he he used there was a penny whistle and I think like some Irish bloody drum. He his wife was actually the one singing, like the chanting in the background. So it was quite amazing. So what instruments were used in your theme? Okay, so um, we used a, a conch sample. Which is, uh, which is a native shell that you can blow through that's, that, is, that basically became the call, the very opening sound you hear. Um, as you know, the natives were professional singers here from Australia. Uh, we use sample libraries a lot as composers because we don't have a lot of budget. So the orchestra were samples. Um, and I have a team of guys, guys that work behind me that are experts in that type of thing. So the way that I work is that I can, I'm a piano player by trade. I compose it and then I hand it over to the experts that can make sample libraries sound like huge orchestras. And so, yeah. So are you, are you playing the other instruments as well? I, I'm playing the, um, the, everything that's generated by a keyboard. So the violins, the, the drums are samples, what they call samples. So essentially um, um, a recording of, the, of big drums, like there's Takio drums in there, which, which are huge Japanese drums. There are the normal timpanis, there are, there, there are large toms, and they're samples, and you play them on your keyboard. I don't know if this makes sense. So, yeah, so I'm essentially playing everything there, and then I send it to someone who's a, what they call an orchestrator, and he adds the sounds in um, that make it sound more realistic. So it makes it sound more like, a, like a, an, an orchestra. So, so how many different instruments are you capable of playing on your piano, essentially? Everything that you can imagine. Wow. So the modern composer has um, the whole, um, everything, every instrument possible at his fingertips because of sample library technology. So, and in fact, it's big business these days. So um, the, the London Symphonic Orchestra, for instance, has just recorded themselves and uh, put it into a format where us composers can buy it and play them on our, on our keyboard to create the symphonic sound. And they charge a license fee for that. And that's their way of making some extra money apart from their recording. So this is fascinating, Ben. I don't know about you. I had no idea you could do all this on a keyboard. And I, I assume that I assume that he actually had a couple of Japanese guys in there doing these, <laughs> in there with his mates, with Braden and all that. Do it. I just assume that's what 
what Jay was booing, but apparently not. It was all well, on the keyboard. All, all I know that from is Ferris Bueller's Day Off when he starts playing on it to the vomit sounds. That's all I know. So, I mean, here we go. It's 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 evolved a lot from the days of the 80s when Matthew Broderick's making vomit sounds basically to, uh, what was it, chopsticks or whatever it was. <laughs> I mean, I can only speak for Australian composers, but television, which is the, the poorer cousin of film, doesn't have the budgets to hire and record orchestras. So we, we almost all... TV music that you hear will have an will have this kind of technology behind it. Which I mean, I can imagine that that's what you're saying about the budget. If if you had the budget, if Channel Seven had said to you, "Here's a blank checkbook, Jay. You yeah. do what you want. You're going to go yeah. out there and you're going to go get the Japanese guys to play the drums. Yeah. You're going to get the horns and and the Vanuatu tribe members to do all that, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, of course. Although I will say this, and I've only read this, and I haven't ever spoken directly to Hans Zimmer. Do you know who Hans Zimmer Indeed, is? Indeed, yeah, about to do the new Bond movie whenever we eventually get to see it. Absolutely. <laughs> he's, he's, he's just like our idol. We all love Hans. Anyway, he uses, he's got the budgets and he's got the access to the orchestras and he still uses some of the sample technology because wow. it creates a, a, a more lush and more um, interesting, complex sound for him. So when you're putting together all these layers in through your your keyboard, in terms of sort of like a multi-track session, are you just kind of laying down one track as like the violin, another track or something like that? Do you send them separately to your mixer you were talking about before? Do you kind of compress it all into to one? Kind of what works that way when you're trying to mesh these ideas all together to come up with one audio file? Sure. Okay, so this might be a little technical for your listeners, but we'll, 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 we'll go through it roughly. Um, I will compose a track um, as a full mix. So I, as I compose it, it's true. It's uh, instrument by instrument, as you described. You put the cellos, you put the basses down, you put the violas down, you'll add the Japanese drums until you've got your full mix. When I supply it to, the, to my producers, the television shows, I supply them the full mix and also cut down versions of that mix. So they might just get the drums. They might just get the violins. And so that when they're producing the show, they've got the flexibility a little bit themselves to decide on how they're going to use the music. They can use the full on all the kitchen sink or they can use the smaller version or they can just use the drums. And this gives them some kind of creative license over how they use the music. And it also comes down to, I can imagine, with certain pieces that... I don't know if it's the TV network requests it or you're just sort of used to working in television, you know how it works, that certain pieces I can imagine have to fit a certain time frame, particularly with a with a theme, for example. Yeah. Obviously, an introduction to credits is going to be a certain length and in 2006, it's going to be a little bit different to what it is in 2020. So yeah. I can imagine Channel 7 provide you with some parameters of the length of pieces you've got to provide. Yeah, absolutely. The theme is always a set length. And... Um, the end credits, we always make a, 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 an open-ended version so that we can edit that because sometimes the, the end credits would be different every night on some shows. Um, these days, um, I lament the loss of the theme. Mm. Um, networks don't make shows with big themes anymore because in their eyes, it wastes airtime. Whereas I just love the, the standard theme, like the survivor theme. It, it says, here we are, put the kettle on, get the beer, and we'll watch the show. Whereas these days, the show starts straight away. There might be 10 seconds or five seconds of a music idea, and it's all over. 
Yeah, it's it is it is a real shame with that because yeah, sort of mentioning the Simpsons before. I mean, you can list a hundred and one different television iconic yeah. themes, really. And it's, I mean, name one more recent TV show with an iconic theme. There's very few. Very few. Oh, 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 oh. I must say that you. Sorry. No, no. I'll just, you, you go, Jay. I'll, I'll go. I'll after just you. say that the my my perspective is an Australian perspective. You, you still hear the great shows coming out of uh, the States that, that have themes like House of Cards, et cetera, et cetera. So you literally just took the words out. I'm, I should have jumped in before you, Jay. Now it looks like I'm just joining the bandwagon. I was actually going to say that. That might be the case in Australia, but in America with these big TV shows where we're seeing these big actors actually yeah. do these shows now, yeah. one of the main things they have is a big theme. I, yeah. I, one that I love, I don't know if you've heard of a show called Black Sails, Unbe- it was a Michael Bay, um, yeah. he produced a bit, unbelievable theme to it. And it's just, yeah. they've got the works, like the whole orchestra, everything, the, the drums. Um, you, you look at something like Game of Thrones, like it's just, these are really big intros. And I think over in America, it's obviously different here, but to get the audience in, they almost have to have that big intro. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with you. And I, and I miss it here in Australia. I mean, every show in America that I can think of, uh, you mentioned Seinfeld, I believe. Modern Family, for instance. Um, and even the Netflix shows that are coming out now, they have great themes, but also great visuals in their intros. And it's, and, and it's almost like a little work of art. Uh, and, it's, and they're always around 30 seconds long, which is, or it's sometimes longer. And it really does brand the show. And the way Netflix get around it very cleverly is that, as you know, once you've watched two or three seasons, series and you're on to episode four or five, if you want to skip the thing, you can. It gives you the option. Yeah. But, but it's always there. And you know, it's just a shame we don't do it here. I'll tell you one, one theme I never skip, and that's your theme for Celebrity Survivor. Ah, like that. I, I just wanted to admit that right then. It is. It's, one of the, it's probably the best part of the episode is, bang, you hear your theme, and it, it sucks you in every time. And how are you watching this show from 2006? Well, it is actually um, on True Stories on YouTube in terms of uh, the, the the Survivor, the Castaway Productions actually have started sort of an official YouTube channel and they've actually put it up there. So it's uh, now legally completely available to to watch it now, which is, which is, I think when we've been doing this podcast, it's been great that we've been able to have people who either didn't watch it at the time or haven't seen it in 15 years kind of join along and watch it because prior to this going on there was a couple of bootleg copies on youtube that would get pulled down every couple of years or even just your theme they would just kind of have celebrity survivor intro as a as a one minute clip on youtube yeah. essentially for those with with a flashback which i'm sure if we looked up half of your themes there might be an old who dares wins clip and an old mole clip on youtube essentially kind of showing your theme for people who want to hear them who knows i haven't dug in to find out <laughs> which is I was going to say, Jay, is it has it been, before we, you knew you were coming on on this on this podcast? Had had it been a few years since you had actually heard the theme from Celebrity Survivor? Oh, absolutely! In fact, this morning when I sent it to you, it was uh, I, I just went, oh, that's what that sounded like. In fact, <laughs> I actually didn't have um, the hard drive left with all of the stuff from the show. I had to find it on an old audio CD I had and convert it to an MP3 because like it was just so long ago. And do you have sort of the other kind of themes or kind of other pieces of music that you had on that CD? I do. I have some um, some of the background musics and some of the tension musics I do and some of the action stuff. 
Great. Well, we, I mean, we would love to, yeah, to I'll hear it if you... I just didn't get time to convert them all this morning. <laughs> no, well, that's fine. Because it's, it's, it's one thing that, um, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of soundtracks for you talk about movies, you know, Hans Zimmer, I mean, John Williams, you know, people like this, just absolutely... I will download a, a score from any soundtrack or, you know, buy a CD. I've just, I love soundtracks. Yeah. And I'm a, an absolute nerd with Survivor soundtracks. I, I pretty much, because for a long time, Russ Landau and David Van Corp will release them on iTunes mm-hmm. to purchase. But sort of since they haven't been doing original themes anymore, since I think like season 23, 24, they've just been recycling them and kind of yeah. using some newer ones. They don't do them. But I, I love listening to them kind of almost as background music they're very relaxing and when you're actually working it actually kind of it helps you i feel get in the zone and all of a sudden when something picks up you've kind of got a challenge music going on or you've got the blindside music at a tribal council and you're in the middle of doing a project like oh i've got to hurry up now and it, it really kind of works and i think what we've noticed with your score throughout the celebrity version is that it, it is very close to the US version, a lot closer than the Whaler's Way version was. Whaler's Way, Channel 9, had a very unique sound. It's got its own piece in in Survivor history, but yours really does kind of connect that. Did you watch more Survivor once after this to kind of hear what they sound? Was it something that after you had worked on the show, you all of a sudden wanted to kind of hear a bit more of Russ's and David's work to kind of see how you went compared to what you did? Probably the opposite. Uh, once I knew that the show was coming from Australia, I watched and researched a lot of what they had done because um, I believe that we had to try to make it be the, the little cousin or the baby brother of the US version rather than something completely different. And plus Channel 9 had done their own version as well. So I really wanted to be influenced by them. I read about them. I, did, I looked on YouTube on how he created it. Certain parts of the show, like the Tribal Council, you know, that was a really important part of the show that had to sound and feel like you were watching the American version in my, my, my eyes. And did you ever have any communication or want to reach out to Russ or David to maybe either A, get some tips or B, hey, what do you think of my theme compared to yours? I didn't. I didn't approach them. Um, you're always, you know, it's, you, you, you don't know how people are going to react. You know what I mean? So I just sort of let it go and, uh, hopefully they would have watched it. I don't know. One quick question just on that too. I've noticed, and I don't know if you know the answer, this this might be a question to pose to someone at Channel 7, whoever's in control of putting the credits up. It is in, listed in the credits when it comes to composer, your name as well as Russ Landau's. Do you know why that is the case? Did you use any pieces of Russ's music in any of your music and maybe they had to kind of credit him just because there was a, a bit of a motif somewhere that you used? I actually wasn't aware of that. And um, no, I don't know why that happened. Um, the music was registered uh, here by, uh, by our, our Royalty Society as my music. Um, I always got acknowledged for it and paid for it in from a royalty stream as my music. So that generally only happens if you do a co-write with somebody and it, that never went there. So it might have been a licensing thing, but I can't say definitely. Def- they might have had to put his name up as a contingency of buying the license to the program. But I don't know. I didn't even know that was the case. Well, that's interesting, Ben, because you actually asked Russ and he said he didn't know either. I, yeah, yeah. I, that is true. I, I I interviewed Russ many years ago on one yeah. of our other projects, Survivor Oz, and kind of have remained friends with him. And 
when I when when I noticed that, and we were kind of researching and sort of trying to track you down, Jay, for the show, I I had to ask him because we were very aware that prior to Channel Ten starting Australian Survivor in 2016, again, no Australian version had ever used ancient voices or any of Russ's themes, yeah. and. And yeah, Russ basically told me he had never had anything to do with any Australian versions. He wasn't aware. He basically explained it kind of maybe as you just said there, Jay, that it was probably a licensing thing. He said kind of once he composes it, the licensing sort of almost out of his control and they do with it what they do. So he he wasn't aware of why his name would have been there and at the same time as well. Yeah, actually, I would be interested to know that. I'll actually, I'll ask David on, I'll send him an email, but I never even noticed it or, or yeah. It, it, there's probably a check somewhere just lying around with Russ's name on it that he, he's never he's never got he's never cashed in it was just maybe in Dason, uh, David Mason's draw who knows but uh, what now I think about it too Jay like you're probably in the hardest position because there'd already been obviously the American version with the iconic ancient voices and there'd already been an Australian version theme song from the Channel Nine scene so so here you are not only have to make it different but similar to the American version. You've also up against, you know, people have already heard another version from the first Australian Survivor, which, you know, there was critic. We love that version as well, mind you, but there was a lot of criticism of people saying and the fans saying, well, that's that's not ancient voices. That's not Survivor. We don't like it. And then here you are in 2006 have got to then make another version. Like that would have been a lot of pressure as well. Um, yeah, I, well, I felt I didn't feel that pressure, but I did feel the significance of the of the, the brand. And you feel that you need to live up to, especially the American version. I might have mentioned before that, that we were given English music to use, which sounded nothing like Survivor. And that was completely different. It was almost electronic. It was weird. <laughs> and so originally Channel 7 were going to use that music. This is how I came to do, do the job. They were originally going to use the English music because that was the format they bought. But it sounded so much nothing like Survivor that they brought me in to write the music I wasn't originally part of the equation. Uh, so um, when I came in and they said, well, we don't like the English music um, and we want it to sound like the American music, that's where I had to take my inspiration from. So you, you mentioned earlier that you made like three versions of it. Um, I'm assuming, I might be wrong, but I'm assuming that when you hand in, say, three versions, there's probably one that you prefer, that one, that, that, that one theme that you're like, oh, I, ho I hope they pick this one. Was that the case and was it the one that ended up making it to the show? It was. Yeah. yeah. It, and I'm glad it did. It, it honestly, I think, and I've said this on this podcast before, if there had never been an American version and all of a sudden Survivor comes along and you're the first one that, that, that composes it and you come up with this theme, it would still be getting used today. Like that's how good I think it is oh, that absolutely. people people would be like, this is Survivor and any other theme, well, that's not Survivor. This is the one. It, it really is a great theme. Oh, well, I appreciate that. I mean, um, I, I'd honestly literally forgotten about it. So this is really nice to revisit this. And I'll, and I'll just share with you when I um, pulled it out of the, and dusted it off this morning to send it over to you guys. Um, I listened to it and went, gee, I wish I'd have mixed that a bit differently. I would have loved to have that louder. I would have. I just went through complete like, ah. It never <laughs> ends, that, that, that technical mind, right? You're always yeah. kind of listening to it. And I can imagine too, and not just for a Survivor, but for any show that you do, 
when you see it on TV with the the titles, with the graphics, that must add an extra element to it. And I mean, with a show like Survivor, where you've kind of got the the flashy elements of the title cards of the plays, you've got those really quick flashes of like a, a tribal torch and people on boats, a, a shark or something like that in the water. Yeah. I mean, does that, how do you, as a composer, does that make you feel when you finally get to see that airing on TV? Oh, look, with a show like Survivor or, you know, The Mole, um, it was exciting you know it's great because um the locations were were great the scenery was great the action was great so we we um like there's this is a little bit technical now but generally as a rule film and tv do not overlap so if you're a television composer you're a tv composer if you're a film composer you're a film composer the two worlds do not collide very often they're probably exceptions of it maybe netflix with the bigger productions so for us the tv composer to write the grandiose scenery with great action is an absolute joy and, and and i'm always proud to see those on air and you mentioned the latest version in australia the channel 10 that are doing it yep the, channel 10. Yep. the music on that show is fantastic i don't know who does it but it's really good and i bet the composer had a great time doing it well, well that's that's the u.s theme that's they've they've finally gotten the right so that's oh, basically yeah, but, but ancient. The background music as well is that US yeah most music? of it most of it i think uh, i think there is some original music with it they've got sort of a, a little bit more in terms of the dramatic i think the tribal council music is different but i'm not sure if it is maybe some of russ's and david's work that maybe just yeah. hasn't made it to air. i'm not 100 percent sure but i mean it definitely you know, the, the challenge we have with this podcast, Jay, is that a lot of people don't acknowledge any Australian Survivor seasons prior to Channel 10's version. They like to think, oh, well, Channel 10 have done it right now. Those other versions didn't exist, so who cares yeah. about them? But yeah. it's, I mean, it is great as, as a Survivor fan who happens to be Australian and then to see an Australian yeah. version to kind of have that connection because you're right kind of when that grandiose feel to Survivor, it's sort of, it is almost cinematic when it comes to, and this is a reality show, but that music really adds that element to it. Oh. So when you've got that sweeping music, these beautiful locations, these beautiful people out there playing beautiful games, it kind of, it all adds to that zone. And I mean, look, I, I've been a fan of Survivor for, for 20, 21 years. And to this day, I will get goosebumps and stop and listen to Ancient Voices and still feel the same as when I first heard it. It is that such a theme that way that, yeah. and you connect that with a TV show when you hear that music. Yeah, oh, it's fantastic. The the American composers just did a brilliant job. Um, there's two shows that we can never emulate. Amazing Race is another one. Mm-hmm. The music that they use for that show is just phenomenal. The budgets, I, I would love to, you know, I'd love to see what their budgets were. Um, so everything we do in Australia, when I was doing Trans Survivor Celebrity, um, the budget was a huge consideration to the level that we could go to reach to try to emulate the American. We just could not do it, but we tried the best we could. With the the chanting and everything, it's sort of listening and re-listening to the theme over and over again. I'm not musically minded at all, Jay. I I don't know my violin from my viol, anything like that. But one thing that I was really picking up on and kind of listening to it on repeat before this interview, there's almost like a through the chanting 
almost like a like a squeak or a squeal or almost like a scream at every now and then in in the in the background kind of amongst that chanting was that kind of just a you add a few little fun little squeals or something that the chanting are happening there or am i just hearing things when i'm listening to that i can't recall what you're actually talking about <laughs> <laughs> it was probably, a beautiful accident yeah you probably your dog probably wandered into the into the garage <laughs> and, and one of your mates bloody stepped on it and they're and you're like oh yeah we'll put that in well, we did throw everything at that thing, so I wouldn't be surprised if we had, you know, little little screens and and uh, female, you know, trails of live screaming in there. <laughs> I need to find the, I need to find the sound sort of the the timestamp on that yeah. one. But I mean, how how many of the the chant like how many guys do you have in there kind of doing it? Is it is it just one guy? Is it just Braden, or is there kind of a, a group uh, of people? Uh, there was uh, Braden and um, Damien, two of they're also composers and they work with me on many many of the shows that I'm doing. Um, uh, in fact, at the moment we've just formed a new music production company together, so it's an exciting new venture for me. But um, they um, they were both singing on that, and we just multi-tracked it over and over and over. Were any of them involved in the Who Dares Wins lyrics or the Better Homes and Gardens lyrics? Yes. Ah. Bryden Stace, his name is. He, he actually, a bit of background to Bryden. He currently lives in London, but he's an Australian singer who is behind the Voice series here in Australia. Yep. So when you um, see the Voice uh, judges here and they're um, coaching their, their voices to the ultimate prize, Bryden's really the one behind the scenes that's, picking the songs, doing the arrangements, helping the kids learn the songs. So he's a phenomenal singer and he lives in London now. He's also a great composer. He wrote and sang Who, Who Dares Wins. Great. So we and he sang all the lyrics on it. Better Homes and Gardens, my wife sung that. Oh, there you go. I'm married to a Kiwi singer, pop singer called Kim Hart, and she sung the, the theme to that. Well, you're talking about iconic themes and, and I think an iconic theme is one that you get stuck in your head. Now, I probably haven't watched Who Dares Wins in over 20 years, but I can automatically hear the song and I can hear the who dares, who dares. Yeah, and then Better Homes and Gardens. I, I've never really watched it, I'll be honest. It wasn't really my favourite show. But again, I know that getting so much. Like, you just know it. Keep going, away. Ben. Keep going. Come no, on. no, I, I've, I've had enough. I'll leave that to uh, to Jay's wife. So, but, but I must clarify this in case you talk to one of my compatriots. There's a fabulous composer here in Australia called Neil Sutherland, and he wrote the, the Better Homes and Gardens theme for the first 10 years of its life or so, and then I wrote the theme for the last 10 years of its life. Right. So you're actually singing his theme then. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I'll pay him some royalties. I'll send, I'll send him a check. Uh. He's a great guy, so uh, you might run across him at some point. And oh. you, so you do the block as well. Now, I, again, block, I haven't watched it in ages. I remember, I don't know, was it the first season or the second season, they had that Here Comes Another One song? Was, right, yeah. yeah, and they've changed that now, have they, or...? Yeah, so um, that's been a, a victim of the no theme policy in Australia. So um, they don't use anything now in the latest version. Right. Um, that, that was, uh, but I, our company, uh, myself and, and Brian and Damien, we write the tension and drama music for that show. So that show uses a lot of radio music, a lot of current hits, um, but occasionally they'll need it to be dramatic or something you know, and happens with an atmosphere or something comedic happens and we supply them with that music. 
I have to ask this, Jay. Like, it sounds like Bryden's doing very well for himself. Does does he ever ring you and say, Jay, get over here. You, you need to start chanting something for me. Like, if, if he's, if, you know, like to get you back, like you you gave him the call to say, hey, come over and start chanting for Celebrity Survivor. Like, yeah. has he ever given you the call? Well, is there anything weird he's ever got you to come over and, and do? No, he, he was he was living in Australia for most of the time. He's only recently lo- lo- relocated to London. Um, so he was he's always been here. But no, he's been um, with me on from the, from day one um, uh, as a co-composer um, and also as a collaborator in a lot of my television work. We've only just formalised that in, as in, in a new company just recently. Nice, nice. It's good to know that uh, you know Delta Goodrum and Boy George and all that are just kind of pretty faces. They're not doing any work on that show. They're getting paid <laughs> a lot of money. It's, it's all bright and. I'm sure they contribute a lot to the show, but there's a lot of behind the scenes work that he has to do, you know? So, you know, they, they, someone has to take the kids and teach them the song and edit it and do all that. You know, I don't think the celebrities have time for that. No. So we've talked a lot about the, the, the theme and the, the other big part of, of survivor is always the tribal council music. Now, I don't know if, I know this is 15 years ago, yeah. but do you remember the music you use for the tribal council part of the show? I can vaguely. Yes. Yeah, what was because that was I actually it, it's sort of like Ben. You, we we it's, talked it's about like a, this recently. Yeah, I was just gonna say I was just gonna say I thought you were gonna ask me it anyway, so I jumped in there, Matt. It's kind of almost like a like an ocarina pan flute kind of pipe yeah. sort of yeah. flute sound. I mean, kind of it, it's. I I was yeah talking up recently one of our episodes about how I really like the sound of it. It's kind of got a unique sort of feel to it. I mean, kind of I guess that was your vibe in putting that together like that. Yeah, we, we got a lot of uh, flute samples from a, an African um, a CD that had come out at the time, was very popular amongst composers, and uh, they're royalty-free samples that you can use in any way you like. Uh, so they're African flutes that we use. And um, you can't control, they're, they're more like a, you press the key down and it just plays. So you don't really control the, vol- the direction of the tones or the tempos of them, they're, they're, in those days they were just pre-recorded little samples. So we wrote the music around those samples to fit in how, in how they work. But so that, that theme, though, would have actually been similar to something that was on a, on a sample from this African CD? No, the flutes were the sample, just the, just the just solo flute. flute. And all of the rest of it, I believe there's, from memory, we used a, a timpani a, a, or at least a bass drum, an orchestral bass drum as a slow pulse to, to, to have that tribal element sort of going through. I, I believe we used some uh, choral samples and some orchestral samples, but the flute was the thing that gave it that floating feeling, and that was the sample. So we created the music and wrote the music around that sample, if that makes sense. As, as Matt sort of alluded to there, like, I mean, outside of the theme, you know, the, the tribal council music is probably up there as, as being just as important because I know for a good... 23, 24 seasons of the US version. They had a theme called Tally the Vote, which is probably up there as, as alongside the theme is one of my favorite pieces of music from Survivor because it's just synonymous with, with tribal council. Yeah. And sort of you're writing music in a period of Survivor where it's, it's not as dramatic. They're, they're not going over the top so much now where they're expecting a blindside every tribal council. Yeah. Someone's going to play an idol. Like that's what's expected now. Whereas in 2006, you know, it's not as expected. So it's kind of, you're not having to do that real over-the-top dramatic feel that Channel 10 love. You've kind of almost got a peaceful, relaxing, but somewhat dramatic score that's going yeah. on while people are getting voted out. 
Yeah, yeah, that's a good that's a good assessment of it. I hadn't thought about it like that, but it is a little more peaceful, a little bit more relaxing. It, it, the, the producers just wanted it to sound. It's obviously at night, always at night, our version, and they just wanted it to sound atmospheric. And that was the main thing that I had. They said we wanted to sound tribal-esque, obviously. We want it to sound atmospheric, and we wanted to be able to pause at, at at certain moments and have some accents when they turn over and reveal who they voted for. You mentioned before about how you were still writing basically prior to that that first episode. Did did you then have to keep doing that for every single week, or at that point did you just bank a bunch and just send it to them so that they could use it for the rest of the season? Um, yeah. So before we were talking about the mole as a, as a fast turnaround, but with Survivor we created them a um, a, a, a library of tracks that they could use initially to put in the right places. So Jay, we like this track here you know, the third track on CD4, we put it here. And then they would give it to me at the end and say, okay, can you, you know, this is our indication of the roadmap. Can you now flesh it out and create the score for us? Did you, you mentioned before sort of say like with the block, you will have a, a dramatic piece, a comedic piece, things like that. Similar thing for Survivor. Do you have to create like a comedic piece if they've got something funny, a little bit, you know, lighthearted and, and then that those dramatic pieces as well? Yeah, no, we didn't. We didn't do any comedic pieces for Survivor, but there was a lot of atmospheric stuff. I mean, as you recall, um, they wandered around the campsite a lot, <laughs> and there was a lot of shots at night, seeing around fire, you know. And um, in the show, we used what they call wall-to-wall music, which is basically there is no gaps. Mm. So you know that's not so common these days, but in those days, you know, you you wouldn't leave a gap. It's it's interesting you mentioned that because. It's kind of, I don't even know if US Survivor has always done that, but it is kind of, I don't want to say noticeable in a bad way because it's not in a bad way when I say it's noticeable on, on the Channel 7 version. The Channel 10 version does it a lot too. It's sort of, it's it's noticeable with that. But is that is that extra challenging when you're kind of doing that wall-to-wall music that you've kind of always got to have it to, to fit throughout the episode or is that just part of the, the job? That's kind of what you're used to. That's kind of what you, you're expected to do. So you 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 no questions asked, you just do it. Yeah, at that stage, it, it was what we used to, we were expected to do. Um, it's not that challenging in the sense that a lot of the music in, in that section can be very atmospheric. They can be, can be very easy to compose, you know. Um, it's not all as, um, say, there's, a, there's a, a challenge. That music was very intensive, you know. It took a long time to write and a long time to get it right, whereas... You know, just a, a slight atmospheric pad with a little flute wailing and a, a few clap sticks, you know, that took very little time to do. Do you know, and again, this is maybe testing the memory a little bit because it has been 15 years, do you know how many pieces in total you would have actually written for the entire season? I can't remember exactly, but my contracts were all fairly similar and, the, and I would say that it would have been around 120 yeah, that it'd be, it wouldn't be less than 120 pieces of music that you'd write for a series like that. Well, wow. Sometimes more. What about when, when the first episode finally goes to air? Do you recall what the, what the reaction was? Did you hear what people were saying about the theme? Did they like it? Did they not? No, I don't recall. Um, I was a little nervous about it because obviously, you know, it had big shoes to fill. So... You know, we mainly focused on, um, you know, back in those days, we mainly focused on the ratings. We were more worried about who was, who was watching it, you know, rather than what they thought about the thing. 
And thank God Twitter wasn't around those days because I didn't have to see people tweeting about how poor the theme was. <laughs> Which I think, I mean, back then, gosh, I didn't know MySpace was around in 2006. I think that might have just beaten, been around that period, wasn't it? It was around. MySpace was the first big year. I'll just say, Ben, though, like, well, you know that people with the very first season, season one, Whaler's Way, there was criticism of that of that theme. I don't, I don't, I've never heard anyone criticize season two's it's, music. See, to me, it's always kind of, it was always the season that basically people would say it did a better job than Channel 9 did. They, they thought it was a lot closer to the US version, but then people were like, but it's not quite there. And that's kind of what I've said a lot throughout our coverage of this season that it is kind of that bridging season between very old school. Channel 9, which, you know, differs a lot from the US one on many levels between the Channel 10 version that ultimately is almost a carbon copy of the US version. So I think that from what I have heard through fans over the years is that while they don't absolutely love the theme like they will the Ancient Voices, they will say, oh, well, that was a lot closer to what we were expecting because... It, it is very, as we've said sort of throughout this interview and a lot, that it is a lot closer sounding to Ancient Voices than Jack Robin's theme was in Whaler's Way. In, yeah. all fa- in all fairness to Jay, though, I don't know what more could have been done, to be yeah. honest. Like, without literally copying Ancient Voices, like, maybe get Brighton to chant a little louder, I don't know. But, <laughs> but literally, I honestly don't know what more could have been done. Can I tell you that as a composer, when, you produce, when you're asked to do something like this, you would be more than happy for, the, to, for them to use the original theme because you know how important that is for the show. I would have been happy just to write the background music and the challenge music and the, and the council music and use the theme. And, and Channel 7 would have been thrilled to be able to use the theme. We just, we just weren't allowed to. Yeah, yeah. Which you mentioned before about how you get people contacting you about, hey, like I, I want the mole theme as a ringtone or things like that. Jack was talking a little bit about how his theme was being sold as a ringtone. And I remember that. I remember getting the TV week when you see, you know, send in a text, you get $3, you get your polyphonic ringtone. And I remember when the Australian Survivor theme was a was a ringtone. Was that, how did that work? Like, did you ever get like a, you know, hey, you know, Jay, let's use your theme as a polyphonic ringtone? Or like, how did that work back then when that offer would come about to sell it as a ringtone? Yeah, so it didn't happen on, on my Survivor theme. I don't think listening to it this morning again and reminding myself, I don't think it was that melodic that you could actually use it as a ringtone. It was more of a, we took, we put more of an accent on the chant and there were, whereas, um, whereas the American version had a definite melodic and a de- definitely choral sound to it. Um, whereas the mole, they often, people would often ask, could they have it as a ringtone? And, uh, and I would just send it in because in those days you didn't even think about the commercial use of a, a ringtone. Well, I just want to just want to point out, Matt, before you go in, just to just to point out that you don't think it sounds as a ringtone. This is legitimately not a setup. I want to prove to you that this is legitimately my ringtone right now on my phone. So if you <laughs> ring me right now, you're gonna hear your theme. I might need to pay you some money for this, Jay, but <laughs> I'll be going to use recording of it. <laughs> yeah, well, I this have- is kind of the one that I got off YouTube before you yeah. sent me that one oh, in today. Okay. So oh, maybe I need to change it up. But no, it works. It, I trust me. I, my phone's ringing. I answer. Well, I'm, this is how old school I am, and I'm sorry for your listeners who can't remember that, but the phones in those days, they didn't have the ability to play MP3s. No, yeah. They had to convert it into an actual tone. Yeah. <laughs> yep. it's, it's all right, Jay. I've still got the crazy frog as my ringtone. No, not, not really, not really. That was like 20, that was 20 years ago. But uh, 
<laughs> well, yeah, about your thing, like you did mention, like it, it definitely builds up. Like it, it sort of gets big at the end, obviously with the chanting and all that. It has that real build up to the end of this like epic finish. And you mentioned like the amazing race early. I think of the American amazing race. Like that just bang, it starts out like just epic right from the very beginning. But I guess, I mean, I guess that's, there's two ways of doing it, isn't it? Like with the amazing race thing, that, that's how they did it. They started out, started out epic where yours was that slow build up to what I think was a, a really great finish and sets you up for what is to come for the episode. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it had to have a build to it. It had to have a crescendo. I, I can't remember the footage behind what they used, but well, there was a volcano or something, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah. They, they had the volcano. They show shots of the the vine jumping. The the locals yeah. doing the vine jumping. They, yeah, just or uh, a lizard. They do the uh, the lizard oh, with right, the, yeah. its tongue out. Um, yeah. it, it go whoever did that up, brilliant. Like it, it with the music and that background, fantastic. Yeah. No, no yeah, Dicko though. I'm, so, I'm sad there wasn't a Dicko in the intro. I mean, I'm sure the US were over in Vanuatu a fair bit, weren't they? They, yeah, they did season nine. They filmed in Vanuatu, which is, I believe, about two or year and a half before the, the the celebrity one was there, and use a lot of the same sort of cultural elements and everything mm-hmm. as well. But I mean, Matt's talking about that build up and kind of that that I think relates into where there is that real similar vibe to Ancient Voices because that. It's that French horn kind of build up in ancient yeah. voices. It leads into that epic crescendo of how that ends with the the title theme on your screen, the the logo, and that's exactly how it kind of it connects with yours when you've kind of got the ending of it, and then boom, celebrity survive, and then it kind of transitions straight into the opening bit. Which I mean, do you find those pieces are the most fun to write? When you're talking about kind of almost that cinematic feel to it, when you can really build it up into this sweeping, sweeping sound and kind of just end it really quickly on a dramatic note that it kind of just sticks with you? Yeah, I mean, the orchestral ones are always the, the most fun to write. It's also a challenge for us because we're not using orchestras. So we, as I as mentioned before, we're using technology to create that. But, um, yeah, they're always the most – look, we're always driven, as opposed we're always, especially television or film composers, we're driven by the narrative of the picture. So when the picture is grand – uh, and you, you get the opportunity to match that with the music and, and, and push the story of the picture along, the narrative, that's when it's really exciting, when the two things come together. Has there been another project that you've worked on that you can compare to kind of that grand scale that Survivor was? Um, not in that way, but I was really, I really liked The Force here in Australia. It was a, it was a factual TV show I mentioned before. Uh, they gave us um, that was that was budgets were okay for that show. They gave us the opportunity to write to the picture. We got to use a lot of um, um, music that you might tend to hear more in film work. Um, a lot more inspired by the Hans Zimmer movie, you know, movie style of writing, and that was a lot of fun to write for that. Matt's a cop in in his day job, so I'm just I'm trying to picture. Sort of, you know, you being able to write a theme and a score to, to Matt working as a... Hey, I can send I, you some footage from his first episode of Survivor. He'll tell you that he's a, he's a cop in that episode. I, I, I do remember that show, The Fourth, Force. I can't... If, do you know what year that would have sort of aired? They only stopped putting it on air last year. Hmm. Do, do you know so when it started? It started 12 years prior to 2019. Wow. That, yeah, and that that's why I remember it because I've been in the job 12 years. So I remember when I was sort of going through the recruit stage and all that, that was on. So I do clearly remember. I can't remember the, the theme music to it or the music, but 
I, I, I do remember that, that show when it was on when I was going through the academy, yeah. You're coming out of Brisbane, right? Correct, yeah. So I don't think we used, uh, it wasn't filmed in, I think, I think we filmed it in New South Wales and WA. You did, oh. yeah. It wasn't, it, wasn't in, it wasn't Queensland Police. Matt, no. yeah. you could have lasted longer on a TV show. I know. You know? I don't think you're going to get voted out of being the cop this time, so you, you, you might have... You might have done okay. Jay, did you end up watching Celebrity Survivor? Did you kind of, if you did, you remember kind of watching it and thinking what you thought of the, the gameplay and everything else that happened in it? Um, I look, prior to, uh, prior to writing, this may sound a little bit counterintuitive, but as, it, as TV composers, you generally don't watch a lot of television outside of what you're working on because you're so involved. So I'd only seen the show casually up until the time I got the opportunity to write for the show. And then I, and then I watched it and researched it prior to and, and, and kept an eye on it afterwards to see. I love the music. I love the composer in the show. I know you've spoken to him before on this program. And, you know, I just I always wanted to just check in and see what he was doing because obviously for the first 12 or 13 or 15 episodes, he got to go to the countries and, and research the local. And every season sounded different, which yeah. I really liked. So, yeah, so I enjoyed the show. Which, because I can imagine, as Matt was sort of saying before, had they continued on and kind of, you know, you have those influences, because you're right, like that's what made so much of those earlier US seasons unique was when each season had its own iteration of the theme. Like the Australian Outback had didgeridoos in it, the African season had African tribal chanting in it, the Thailand season sort of had Thai music in it. Like it, it made it unique. And unfortunately, it's been a long time in the US once since we've had a, an original season. So, I mean, I guess kind of that that's the sad fact that ultimately Celebrity Survivor didn't continue on for, for more than one season and you might have, the budget might have grown, who knows, Dicko's pay might have gotten cut, he might have given you some of the money towards the thing and you could have gone off to Samoa and Vanuatu and all these places. Who knows? We can only wonder. Did you ever get to meet Dicko? You, you get to hang out with Dicko at all in any of the production parties or anything? Oh, I look, I didn't get to, I, I, I was in, I was in the room with him. I wouldn't say I met him. Or spoke to him. <laughs> That's all that matters, right? You were in the room with Dick. I, I got to be in the room with Jennifer Hawkins too once, so, uh. you know. Oh, that's, that's a tricky one. What would you rather, Dicko or Jennifer Hawkins? Hmm, that's, that's a little bit tricky. So, so Jay, I was going to say, so once Survivor's done and dusted, you, you, you've done all the music there, it's, it's all shown. What, what sort of went next? Like what, what's happened over the last... 15 years obviously you said you're in a production company now and yeah. and um with with Bryden and, and another mate what um where what have you been doing okay so I've been very fortunate in my career in that a lot of the shows that I've worked on unlike Celebrity Survivor have been long-running shows so um uh, we obviously the mole I think the mole ran for seven or eight seasons um, my Kitchen Rules I worked on it it's just had its last season which I didn't do the first one but I did 10 years of of my kitchen rules um i've done the force for for 12 years uh, amongst many other things uh, you know little shorter seasons but uh, the block now i've been on that for the last six years uh so yeah and and some of the music some of our music that we've got to do um we're part we we produced all the music for channel 7's news here in australia we didn't write it all the theme's written by um john williams the famous American composer, but we've written some of the tease music on either side and we all, and we also recorded and reproduced all of his music. So yeah, I've been fortunate enough um, up until COVID to be very busy. The, uh, the television industry has breaks on at the moment. 
Yes, like a, like okay. a few places. I, it's, it's fascinating to work on news um, and doing some of that themes. There was uh, Pendulum. They did a, a sort of a dance remix version of the ABC News theme, which oh, right. yeah, which yeah. was actually fantastic. I saw them live and I swear that was the most popular song they played all night when all of a sudden you hear the... Everyone's dancing along. Have you ever had anybody remix any of your songs and maybe having like dubstep versions or something like that? Well, we funny you should say that. Um, David Mason and his partner, Adrian Brandt, when they were doing um, Who Dares Wins, Mike Whitney, do you remember Mike Whitney? Oh, yeah. So Mike legendary Whitney, self, Mike Whitney, yes. He used to always say, this is really frightening stuff. That was his favourite line. So they decided to do a dance version of this is really frightening <laughs> stuff, which we really did. And I had a mate who had a record company and we released it as a single, but... I don't think it did very well. Well, I'm telling you now, Jay, if you're ever bored during this pandemic and want a project to do, we will send you a clip of Ian Dicko Dixon saying, play hard, play safe, but play to win. And if you can remix that into something with some dubstep or some dancing going on, you will make our year. (laughs) I might have been very bored. Yes. in season one, Jack Robenstein, they actually did do a remix and it with a techno version um, with the, with the. Do you remember the guy? Um, I can't, I remember, can't remember the name. The guy off the top of my head. Um, I'd have to. I'd have to dig that yeah. up. But yeah, no, they kind of. It was. It was. And apparently, it, it was just something that I think kind of it just it happened. But yeah, that that remix was fantastic. That is, yeah, it yeah. was a really interesting take on the Survivor theme. Yeah, I haven't heard it. <laughs> we'll have to, we'll have to, we'll have to send you a copy. I'm actually looking at some of the other stuff you've worked on too. Um, RSPCA Animal Rescue, um, yeah. Comedy Inc. I used to love that show. That was a yeah. that was a good show. Um, do Do you have a favourite of all the themes and kind of all the shows you've done music for over the years? Yeah, that's tough because they're all so different. I, now you mentioned Comedy Inc. I, that that was fun to work on because um, um, the the theme was fun because it was a comedic light style theme, which you don't often get to write here in Australia. But in the body of the show, um, they did parodies mm. of, um, of songs. Mm-hmm. And um, so we had to write um, um, music that sounded like an original track that wasn't the original track so they could do a parody of it. That, that- was a challenge. You know, it's funny you mention that because I, I watch that show so much and there's one that always stands out and this this is just completely random in the top of my head. There was that song by that Russian girl band Tattoo, that um, All the yeah. Things She Said song, right? Yeah. And I remember it was basically, I think the song went something like Money in Our Bank, Money in Our Bank, Every Time You Wank, Every Time You Wank because yeah. basically the film clip was two lesbian, well, two teenage yeah. girls in school uniforms kissing in the rain. So yeah. uh, did please tell me you had a say in like, did you come up with those lyrics or are you just writing the song? The music in no, the no, I didn't write any of the lyrics. I just wrote the music. So the, the the comedy team wrote all the lyrics, and then we wrote the music. The job got a lot easier in the later seasons because they they found out. Obviously, they wanted to use the the original music. Um, they were very nervous about copyright because you know you can't just put someone else's music to air without their permission, uh, and you can't and. You, you, you can't, like, okay, this is going to be boring, but it might, someone might find this interesting. I can record and release on a record any one song in the world that I want without their permission. So I can record a Beatles song or a Michael Jackson song or a Madonna song and record it on my CD and sell 
the CD and I don't ask him permission. But I cannot change one lyric and I cannot change anything about it and I have to credit them with the writing of the song. But that's all fair enough so that they get the royalties. Um, so on television, if you're a comedy writer and you want to change the lyrics, you're now meddling with someone's song. Right. So they were, they were very, very scared about the legalities of that. But then someone did some research. I forget how it worked. But you remember Weird Al? Anchor, Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. So there was a law that, we, that they used in the end, which was true, is that provided you were doing a comedy skit, you were permitted to use, that you could change the lyrics without asking the permission of the original writers. So then we didn't have to write, rewrite the song. They could use the background music of the song and just change the lyric and they weren't infringing copyright. But in the early years, we had to write a new song hmm. that wasn't the song that they were copying. It was a completely different song that sounded like that song. Wow. You know what I'm saying? It was quite a challenge and it was quite fun to do. So that, you know, in the end, a viewer could watch the show and they could go, oh, I see, they're taking a parody of that band. Yeah. But if you actually listen to the song, it wasn't that song. So it was quite a challenge. That's that's really fascinating to know because, yeah, I, I mean, I love parody shows like that. And I, my favourite parts were always the songs, like whenever they did that. There was yeah. another one I, I remember they were, I think when Danny Minogue had a Neon Lights album out and she kind of basically blended it into the fact that she was sounding so much like a sister that I think you started going the la-la-la, like can't get you out of my head and kind of just... It's yeah, so yeah. random that I'm remembering these things from yeah. like nearly 20 years ago, Jay. Gosh, what do yeah. I do with my life? Um, one, one thing that I would love to know, if right now you had never done Celebrity Survivor or even if right now they bring it back and they yeah. come to you and say, Jay, we want you to do this again, but we want you to to redo the theme, how would you do or would you do anything different with a theme in, in this time as, as opposed to 15 years ago? I think, uh, I think I'd still take the same approach, but I, but I with the technology um, and the experience that I had in the industry now, I think I would have produced it better and I would have, uh, I, but I would have still taken the same approach. I think that it's, it, there's only one way of solving that puzzle. And I think it has to be done in a similar way. It's it's really an amazing theme that, you know, you might think we're just blowing smoke up your ass. We're, we're sucking up to you because because you're on the show. And maybe we are. Let's be honest. We secretly <laughs> hate the theme. It's terrible. We're going to rubbish you as soon as we go off air. But in all seriousness, it is, it is such a, a great theme that really does stand the test of time. And I think what... You know, as I said before, what we're trying to do on this show is obviously acknowledge the previous versions of Australian Survivor before the Channel 10 version, but also acknowledge the effort and everything that went into the productions of this show. Because as we've always said, no matter what people may think about those versions and the final product, there were lots of people working on these shows. There, there were 16 players on one, 12 on another, but it's not just yeah. the players. In season one, you had more than 100 production staff working on this season. You know, you had countless people working on, on this season. So you've all spent countless hours putting so much work into the season. And, you know, Matt and I have celebrated your theme. We, we, we absolutely love it. And it's, it's really been fascinating to hear an insight into it, Jay, because... It, it is something that I think not a lot of people maybe put a lot of thought into. It's just they just hear a theme and think, okay, cool, that's a theme, let's get into the show. But yeah. it's it's always fascinating to kind of hear how a theme like that can come together and, and hearing all the processes involved in it. So we've, I, I, I'm speaking to myself. I'm sure Matt will say something in a minute, but I'm just saying I've, I've enjoyed every second of this chat to learn everything about this today. 
Oh, it's been a pleasure to me. And it's, uh, it's quite amazing that people are still interested to talk about it after all these years. No, definitely. And, and everyone knows I'm a huge fan of, of your theme. And I, I hope today has just brought back memories from all those years ago and, um, you know, maybe, maybe stuff that you had forgotten about, but you can look back now and actually enjoy the time of you guys all getting together and, and creating what I think is, yeah, a marvellous theme song, song for Survivor. Well, thank you so much and thanks for having me on. And there you go, Jay Stewart, composer of the theme and score for Australian Survivor Season 2. Matt, it's exciting when we get an opportunity to speak to anybody from behind the scenes from these seasons, but in particular from themes and scores that uh, are in our memories, at least maybe not everyone's memories, but uh, at least big long-term fans of Australian Survivor like us will remember and and get to learn the, the nitty gritty of how they came about. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love to hear how this theme came about, you know, like just just even the little bits, like he, he was talking about his friend Bryden coming over and being the one that's doing the chance. Like I find that fascinating. Like we probably sat here and thought it was like genuine, you know, Vanuatuans. Uh, how does he say? How do you say it? Vanuatu. I don't know. I, I think Vanuatu. I said Vanuatuans or something in that episode. I don't know. Uh, people from Vanuatu, so, uh, yeah. locals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we assume that it was it was them chanting, but yeah. apparently not. It was his mate Bryden. But um, yeah, so just little things like that. What instruments they use? You know, it was interesting hearing when he talked about um, the tribal council music, and that was um, you know African drums, things like that. Like I, I find that fascinating. So um, hopefully you and the listeners do too. I want to get one of these keyboards so I can sound like I've got my own orchestra. <laughs> you know, I could start up my band finally and, uh, you know, Ben and the Quartet of hey, the, Idiots or something. I don't know. Ben, this show does not have a budget for those <laughs> fancy, you know, <laughs> uh, keyboards. So. True. Yes, very true. We didn't sell enough of those buffs, did we? So we uh, we ultimately can't afford that. It's, it's going to be interesting actually thinking about it now moving forward when we eventually get into season three and beyond on, on Channel 10. Um, you know, I, I still do remain in touch with Russ Landau, who of course did do the theme, the initial theme that we do here. So maybe we can do an interview with Russ Landau, not necessarily related to Australian Survivor per se, but at the same time, it's a theme used on Australian Survivor. So perhaps maybe if there's interest out there for season three and beyond, we can get an interview with Russ on the show to to chat about ancient voices. It is connected. And I've got a new goal to track down where his check went, you know, yeah. where he, he's getting named in this show and he no one knows anything about it. So I want to... He must. There must be a, a check somewhere for him. Surely he's never cashed it. Well, this is. I feel like it's almost like the green turd, Matt. I want to get to the bottom of this. Why Russ's name is on the credits? Because it it is there, clear as day. Watch it in the episodes. And it says composer, and it's got Russ Landau written there. And neither Russ nor Jane knows why. Then that's why his name is is on there. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll 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 do that. I think we will do that in uh, when we get to Channel Ten seasons. Eventually, we'll we'll do an interview with Russ at some point. Obviously, it's not as urgent as, say, when we do this season and last season. We've got plenty more seasons of Channel 10 to cover, so it may not be straight away, but we'll uh, definitely put him on the list of people. Because we are, I mean, gosh, we're busy men, Matt. We've got so many people wanting to be interviewed. It's kind of like, ah, we'll put you at the bottom, Russ, you know? Like, uh, Jeff Probst wants to appear on the show. I don't know why, but come on, he's down there at number 27. Gosh, we're busy people. 
And then you're going to have to show me how to how to make this your ringtone as well. That's that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I want to know. I want it as my ringtone. I need to get the crazy frog off my phone and get the ring. Get the season two theme music as my ringtone. I want to be dead serious with you, Matt Dyson, and be honest because I know the correct answer to this one. Did you honestly have the crazy frog as a ringtone at some point in your life? Man, no, I didn't. I didn't have a mobile phone until. After the season aired, like 2006 or seven, I think when I got back from Africa, so 2007, that was the first mobile phone I ever owned. And by that stage, I think the crazy frog was uh, shot dead by that stage. The I think. crazy frog is never shot dead, Matt. Shame <laughs> on you. You know, the, the true story, I before the crazy frog became a crazy frog, it was like the old days of memes, which were, if anybody remembers the emails that you would get, like your mum would send you an email or your friend would write. That was what you would have before memes. And I remember when I got sent that and people, if people remember the origin of the crazy frog, it was actually an email of like a formula one car. I believe it was Rubens Barrichello in a Ferrari. And it was basically like, listen to the, this, you know, it will make you laugh. And you literally hear the, and then for some reason they turned that into a song. The very first time I opened that email and showed it to my mum, she thought it was me. She's like, Ben, is that you making that sound? Like, is that you doing this? I'm like, no, what? So for some reason, my mum always thought I was the crazy frog. <laughs> do you do you ever watch the show The Inbetweeners? I've seen parts. In so it. Yeah. the guy in there that plays the character Jay, he does, he, there's a classic scene where he does the crazy frog. The girls, he's trying to impress a girl and the girl's like, do something funny. And he does the crazy frog. It is brilliant. <laughs> do Absolutely. you remember when the crazy frog actually came out and they had, it had a penis and then in some <laughs> versions of the film clip, they had to sense they'd put a little black bar over the penis because crazy frog had a little doodle. So I thought you were going to say the crazy frog was hung like a donkey. No. Well, I mean, it will, I mean, gosh, I've, I've seen bigger, but I've also seen smaller. So, <laughs> So you're telling me they got they didn't get rid of it. They just had the, the censor it black. They, they literally had like a giant black line, like in the film clip, uh, which was like I, I I'm I'm honest honest. I love the Crazy Frog. I bought the single. I listened to that. I was one of those idiots who bought into the Crazy Frog. But then of course after the Crazy Frog, you had the I'm a gummy bear, and then I think you had that snippy snappy crocodile song, and there was just a wave of child little animation things that did something why do we do this matt every single week in this season we're like transforming ourselves uh, back to the mid 2000s and bringing I, up the the soundtrack of the mid 2000s that the crazy fr- i mean they must have made absolute mozza oh. with the crazy and you look back now and you think how like someone whoever put that together it could people could have laughed it off and thought you idiot it ended up being a financial like just success there's someone sitting in the jacuzzi right now, sipping uh, champagne, thanking the lucky stars that they came up with something. You know what's fascinating is that they say that retro and kind of nostalgia works in what, like 20, 30 year cycles, right? So like at the moment, we're all nostalgic for the 90s. You know, we're, we're all living back in the 90s. 10 years ago, we're all living in the 80s and it kind of works that way. I'm really struggling to picture people being nostalgic about the 2000s because there is seriously some crap going on in the, that decade, the noughties or whatever you want to call it. Like, are we really in a few years' time going to go, oh, remember the crazy frog? Wasn't that a good time? Remember the the Kevin Peterson cut skunk look in the middle, emo music? Like, are uh, we really going to be nostalgic for that in a few years? Didn't you have the Kevin Peterson crazy? Uh, yeah. The, yeah. The, the, the- the skunk? I'm Both sure versions. Did. Not only was it blonde in the middle and dark on the side, I even went blonde on the sides and dark in the middle. I did both versions. 
you know? Just like he made that comment, he said it's hard to be Kevin Peterson in this dressing room. You're probably thinking it's it's hard to be Ben Waterworth on this podcast, you know? Oh, God. But anyway. how, how do we get on these rants? I don't know. We end up now. We're, I did not think we were ending this episode with, with the crazy frog, but can you please, listeners, can you please right now, or wait till this episode finishes, get on YouTube and, and type in J crazy frog in between us and it is the funniest one minute and 10 seconds you'll ever watch trust me um it's funny because we had a song that we were going to play out on this episode we were going to close out with uh tattoo all the things she said based on uh, that little little conversation where i did utter the words money now bank every time you wank never thought i'd say that on a podcast but i think now it's it's been decided uh, matthew dyson we're going to have to end it on a certain song in just a few moments uh, I think if, if we didn't, we'd be doing an absolute injustice to the crazy frog. I just had a weird image of whoever it was getting that green turd in the toilet and then Dicko plunging it, Dicko listening to the crazy frog <laughs> while he's trying to plunge a green turd out of a, a Vanuatu toilet. It, it all makes sense now, Ben Waterworth. Of course he was. Yeah, like Dicko, oh, play hard, play Oh, I bloody love this song. Turn it up. Bop, <laughs> I'm actually now thinking the green turd was the crazy frog. Exactly. I tell you what, if we get Dicko on, we, we our, my new goal is to get Dicko to sing the crazy frog. Oh god. Wow. That's how do we get to, how do we get to this every every You've been episode? podcasting with me too long. Uh, oh, to that now my idiotic ways have transformed onto you and that this professional sounding podcast has now turned into let's talk about the crazy frog for five minutes when we've just had a really good interview in all seriousness thank you everyone for listening and thanks very much to jay for giving his time and we of course taking this little break in the the literal middle of our episode recaps of course next week we get straight back into it episode seven of celebrity survivor things are really really starting to heat up with the merge and uh we're getting closer and closer to a certain little twist which may or may not be still quite annoying 15 years later but i'm looking forward to talking about it we said goodbye to guy last week we're gonna say hello to him again in a few weeks anyway so that's also of course why we don't have him on this week as opposed to uh when we generally should but we're looking forward to getting into those we uh thoroughly enjoying covering this season as of course we are sure you are thoroughly enjoying listening to it along the way just like you've enjoyed listening to jay stewart today and in the background i hear a weird sound i'm not sure what the hell that is oh god i'm gonna shut up i I wish you could see matt right now i really do wish you could see him he's he's, he's doing some moves which i'm sure that's how he got married uh my name is ben waterworth and my name's matt dyson and man i would have partied with the crazy frog ben